Your brain is the organ of your personality, your character and intelligence, and it's heavily involved in making you who you are. That's from Dr. Daniel Amen. So if we notice something isn't right with our ability to think clearly, brain fog or decision-making ability, or our ability to focus and concentrate, it would make sense that we begin with looking at this organ that controls everything we are and everything that we do. Welcome back to season 10 of the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we connect the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning that's finally being taught in our schools today and emotional intelligence training used in our modern workplaces for improved well-being, achievement, productivity, and results. Using what I saw as the missing link, the application of practical neuroscience. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning and launched this podcast five years ago with the goal of bringing all the leading experts together in one place to uncover the most current research that would bring back how the brain learns best by taking us all to new and often unimaginable heights. For today's episode number 309, we'll be speaking with Diane Costo. She's the CEO and founder of Symmetry NeuroPT. Diane is a mom on a mission to make neurofeedback to help the brain learn to better regulate, accessible and easy, with a global vision for improving the lives and brains for families who've got a member struggling with physical or emotional pain that we all know disrupts everything in our day-to-day -day life. I wanted to cover Diane's work on the podcast because while I've heard about neurofeedback as a brain-based therapy to improve brain function without medication, I don't know much about it. Let's meet Diane Costo and see what she's created with Symmetry PT to help all of us to live happier and healthier lives with our brain health and function in mind. Diane, it's wonderful to meet you today. Where are we reaching you today with your lovely background there? Uh, I'm in my home office in South Carolina. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, you've reached me in Arizona, so I, I knew that there can't be snow where you are unless that's a background. <laughs> so we're in similar climates, right? Yes, it's awesome. This is a great time of the year, right? In the fall, get, get rid of that summer overwhelming heat and yeah, we're, we're still in Arizona. We're still at 80s, 90s. So it's starting to cool down. But uh, this is the time of year where, you know, anyone who lives in Arizona is grateful to be here because it's starting to be the weather that we look forward to. Nice. So, Diane, I want to dive in right away here because I think that the company that you founded solves a critical need in the world today. And when I saw your work, I thought I've got to have you on because I've heard of neurofeedback, but I don't know enough to explain it to people. So, you know, I think that anyone has the, in the world today has seen the effects of high stress in our daily lives. We've all seen it. But can you start out with why you founded Symmetry Neuropathway Training and just start there? 
Yeah, yeah. It all started with my kiddos. I'm a mom on a mission. I'm still a mom on a mission. <laughs> but when um, my little guy, my youngest was very impulsive off the charts. And so normal, typical school environments didn't work for him. And I would often get a call. You need to come and get him. He's not following the program. And I tried multiple environments. I kept thinking if I could put him in the right place, he'd have success. But everywhere he went, there he still was, right? He still had impulsivity. So private school, homeschool, boarding school, homeschool again, military academy. I mean, this is from age five until about 12. And I kept looking for a solution that he would not end up being a troubled teen, but kind of seeing that in the headlights, you know, that that was coming up. And I tried every different parenting book I could think of. Um, professionals just kind of shook their head. He didn't come across as typical. He just came across as 110% boy with a bad attitude. Uh, and there was a very volatile environment um, between my older son, him, and myself and at home. So I kept trying to tough it out of him, you know, <laughs> and just be firm and be that strong parent, the mom and the dad. Uh, anyway, so he ended up going to the military academy. I kind of told him that was his, he needed to make that work for him because at this point he was refusing to do schoolwork. He was, you know, on video games nonstop that he found from his friends and like just total defiance and out of control. And so he goes to the military academy. I get the call to come and get him. And I made one of the hardest decisions of my life and had him transported from there to a therapeutic program and nowhere Utah, uh, Kanab, Utah, actually. <laughs> and I thought, well, here we are, at least they're going to know how to help him now. You know, we went through all these years. I went into debt, spent money I didn't have, you know, tried medications at one point. That was really heartbreaking. That's how he just lost his personality, you know? Uh, so anyway, he ends up in the boarding school and guess what happens a few months into that? They call you. I get the call from the CEO love him. He's a genius, but he's not following the program. What are we going to do? And I'm like, you're the professional. You created this. Like I've, I've tried everything I can think of all these years. And, and we really were at a loss because he was too dangerous to send to like a wilderness program or something. And he just wasn't participating in the program. So thankfully, whatever you believe in God, universe, miracles, I was introduced to the founder of the Noah feedback company on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, where I lived. And this was a chiropractor and he was teaching chiros how to bring neurofeedback into their practices and help people in a more systematic, easy way. Because as you said, neurofeedback sometimes isn't easy to understand or to explain. So he, um, I was introduced to him and told him our story and he said, that's the kind of kid we can help. So I said, what can I do? <laughs> Let's do this. And I went through his training he entrusted me with a $22,000 system at that time. And I drove from South Carolina to Utah and incorporated into that program. Thankfully, they had space. They had the openness. They knew that we were out of options. They also had heard about neurofeedback, but didn't really know how to bring it in. And so I did. I started running sessions on my son and some of the other students. I shared the information with the parents and everybody was on board with let's try it. It's non-invasive. What can it hurt? And I just watched the subtle changes over time in my son and it, it saved him. It really saved him. It gave him that pause before reacting that he never had since birth. And he was able to start participating in the program. And of course I was excited, but I was also a little bit like, 
mad that I hadn't heard about this before. <laughs> all those years, all the trauma we went through. So it launched me to do whatever I can to make it more available. For everyone else, what what specific changes other than that that pause did you notice? Did his whole outlook change when he realized that he could slow down or what happened? It was really interesting. And it was gradual. It was not a quick fix or magic pill. It takes time for the brain to learn. So at first, the first things I noticed was the dark circles under his eyes started to lighten up, which means maybe he wasn't really getting restorative sleep. So that started to happen. He started to look a little bit brighter. Um, it seemed like he started to trust himself a little more gradually. And he started to engage with the other students and elements of the program, make different decisions little by little. And then you could see, you know, he wasn't triggered as easily. And one of the best things, you know, quite a couple months into it was the spark kind of coming back in his eyes, you know, like, and that gives me goosebumps because so many of them, you know, by the time they were there, went through all kinds of things like my kiddo did, you know, get feeling like labeled and failures and not knowing, you know, how to to feel good about themselves. They lost that. And so that was really the coolest was to see that spark and that brightness just kind of come back into them, you know, when they walk in the room. But that doesn't mean that he was the perfect kid and he made all the right decisions from there on out. He still was a teenager and he had habits and he had hurt and wounds from all that we went through. So it took time for him to process that, to really gain that trust in himself and, and become the person that he is today. This is a powerful story. And so for people like me who might have heard of this treatment, if I haven't used it myself or experienced or witnessed what you went through, can you just give an overview of what exactly he had to do? Even in the beginning, I was like, does he put a machine on? What exactly is he doing to get these changes? Right. So back then, we didn't even have the QEG brain mapping, which now you can measure uh, brainwave frequencies and activity in various areas of the brain. And that gets compared to a, a normative database and can show you which networks of the brain are functioning well and which are not. But at that point, I really only had a single sensor that we would place in the center of the, the head and look at some of the brainwave activity. And there are certain patterns we were looking for that are healthy and certain ones that are not and so it started with that little bit of an evaluation of what what's happening in that individual's brain and, and what are their outward symptoms, too. We would ask on questionnaires. They were literally paper questionnaires back then, 13 years ago. Uh, so we would start with that kind of what's going on with that individual and what's happening in their brainwave activity. Based on that, there would be a series of sessions that that individual would participate in. So my son would come in, I'd put a couple ear clips on his ears and a little sensor on the top of his head, and he'd be kicked back in a nice relaxed position watching something on the screen. And you can watch, now we can stream anything online, Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, anything of interest. And the software puts an overlay over top of it, and it'll play a little bit brighter and louder when the brain's meeting that pattern you want to encourage. And then dimmer and quieter when the brain's not meeting a healthy pattern. And so they're really, it's the, it's technology driven learning. The system is measuring the brainwave activity and constantly talking to the brain, giving it a reward saying, Hey, you can see that better now. And naturally the brain wants to see and hear things better when you're interested in it. So it's just a natural learning process really. And it's using that technology to really get in there to what that brain needs to learn in order to better regulate. 
So it's not as complicated as people or maybe the field has even made it seem to be. It's technology-driven learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I see why it's called neurofeedback. It's feedback. And before I thought, what is neurofeedback? It's machines and that you've explained it in such a, a, a way that we can all understand now. Yeah. And there are different styles and different approaches of neurofeedback now. The the field is constantly trying to find everybody wants something quicker, faster, stronger, better, you know. So there is a lot of different equipment and fancy stuff out there. And some of them will use a low-level current or a magnetic stim or something to try to reset the brain quicker. But the version that I've used for these 13 years and had great results with is just what we talked about. It's technology-driven learning. There's nothing forcing the brain. It's allowing the brain to learn as it's ready. And that's why a mom on a mission could go out and do this. Right. <laughs> you know, And we, we can successfully send it into homes and help professionals really uh, start helping people within a couple of days. And it doesn't take five years and a fortune to figure it out. Right. Now I'm just connecting some of the podcasts I've done in the past that I didn't put in the questions, but I did this interview with uh, Fisher Wallace. It's a brain stimulator. I put it on my head and it vibrates and it's supposed to help with improving sleep and reducing anxiety and stress. Do you think that's similar? Would that be uh, like a considered neurofeedback because it's vibrating or is it different from what you're explaining. So I don't know that specific tool, but from what it sounds like, it's trying to reset the brain. It's it's putting some stimulation, the vibration through there. There are different programs like the safe and sound protocol that will do that by with sound. If it's not measuring something in the body, then it's not bio or neurofeedback because the bio and the neuro part is measuring something in the body. And based on that information, then you're providing something for the brain, for the body and the brain to learn from. So, so always think about that, the biofeedback and neurofeedback, there's got to be some type of tool measuring something biological in the body and then giving the feedback. So that seems to me more of one of the tools that's providing a stimulus or something to try to help the brain reset. Got it. And we did measure, um, when I did a, a study, we measured with a Fitbit to see the improvements just to so, so I can see, yeah. how, but, but it wasn't, everybody doesn't get the Fitbit to measure, but then what about how does neuroplasticity occur with this? How is the brain actually rewiring and changing? Mm-hmm. It's the same process. Like I said, it's a natural process for us. Anytime we learn anything, when we learn to ride a bike, when we learn to write with the pencil or play a musical instrument, what do we do? We practice, 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 and then pretty soon we're doing it without even thinking about it because there's a new neural pathway in our brain. That's what happens anytime we learn something. So it's just using that process. We're repeating, you know, the person has to come in for a series of sessions. We like them to come in at least 40 sessions for maybe 30 minutes each or more. And that that's that practice, practicing to learn to write, practicing to learn, ride that bike. Same thing. Got it. Now, what are some common issues that you see are improved with your treatments? Well, the sleep thing, I've over the years learned how significant that is for so many of us. And you wouldn't think that a kid could have a sleep disturbance or not get that restorative sleep, but it's happening a lot in our society. 
So that's one of the first things we watch for is improved sleep cycles and uh, those dark circles lightening up or people just feeling more rested. And a lot of people don't even know the difference until they start improving that. So we see that a lot. Anxiety is the biggest, really, right now. I mean, even a couple years before the pandemic, in the QEG brain map reports, we would see more and more patterns of anxiety than before. Even people that came in with cognitive challenges or ADHD or memory issues, we'd look and there was a component of anxiety along with that. So I would say that's the biggest thing we're seeing now. Um, But you really can Google neurofeedback for whatever and find a case study or article about it there's a whole um, bibliography of information on the international society for neuroregulation research that's isnr.org it's really a lot because think about it the common factor is the brain Mm -hmm. and and our brain waves do get dysregulated for different reasons stress um, trauma developmental challenges toxins lack of nutrition who hasn't experienced that? I haven't seen a, a perfect brain map yet. Right. <laughs> so most of us yep. have some type of challenge. And a lot of times it's just being medicated or managed. Whereas when you take a look at the brainwave activity and the nervous system that's involved in it, usually you can kind of help better regulate that and things will fall by the wayside. Well, this goes right into my next question, because it's the whole reason I do this podcast. I noticed, you know, social emotional learning wasn't taught in our schools today, but either is this understanding of the brain. And you've got a really good handle. You're able to explain everything that's going on in a way that people can understand it. So I I can tell that you've been doing this work diligently for years, looking at the research. But when was it that you, you you saw this and thought, wow, I had no idea how important that the brain has is for our results. When yeah. did you notice? Well, I appreciate that. And I'm, I've been trying to keep things simplified so that people can understand it at, a, at the, you know, that level. But I think I started to wonder about my own son the last few years, you know, knowing that he had been through so many different things, different programs, different environments. And I knew that he knew how to behave. And, you know, it, I started thinking there's got to be something wrong, like with him neurologically. I even took him to a pediatric neurologist. I thought maybe he had Tourette's or something because his impulsivities and his explosiveness was too extreme to be just a choice. Sometimes I started to wonder. So the last couple years of trying to figure out what to do for him, I started wondering. And then when I talked to this doctor and I picked up my first two books on neurofeedback, I was like, this makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I could recognize it then in my son and I could recognize other things in him, maybe anxiety related, like tics and different behaviors that that we just didn't know what to think of. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was back then, probably 15 years ago. And then it's a never ending learning process because we're, we're only in the cusp of in the beginning of it, but there's still a lot to learn every few months. I'm, I'm taking in some other information and, and, you know, trying to share that. Well, I'm so grateful that I found you to, you know, explore an area that I had heard of, but didn't know enough about. So this is kind of opening up my mind here. And for anyone listening um, that tunes in, it's just another avenue of how we can 
help our brain to work right so that we can work right. Right. Yeah. And we're using all of these tools, like you mentioned, the Fitbit, and we're measuring a lot of things now, helping. uh, There's meditation tools on our phones and apps and everything. So it's time to move this into that realm. We should all know about it and have access to a the basic version like I use that you can, that's not putting a lower level current or anything. It's just natural learning process. Right. Well, can you explain a little bit about the research? Cause you, you do it so well. And I find this part fascinating, how we actually can change the structure and function of our brain. Uh, what has the research shown? Mm-hmm. Well, they show that it 20 sessions of neurofeedback actually creates changes in the gray and white matter of the brain physical changes. And again, that happens. That seems like pretty wild. Oh, it changes the structure and the function of our brain, but it does. Anytime we learn anything and do something repeatedly, good or bad, it's it's changing that brain because new pathways develop. Uh, and it was founded back in the 60s. Did you want me to go into that a little bit when sure. Barry Sturman, yeah, the cats? Yeah, the, yes, the cats, because <laughs> I... I thought if if it's if a cat can see these benefits, then we take it to a human. That was some of the research right. that with um, Jack Pangsept, he looked at animals um, and their emotions. And so I'm just always oh, wow. curious where, you know, what you've uncovered with the research that, you know, makes it more real and viable for any of us. Yeah, that was a big, important point that I would always bring up for people just learning about neurofeedback as it seems so hard to understand sometimes is that it was founded in the research labs. Barry Sturman was a sleep researcher and he had these cats and he was measuring, he had little caps on them measuring their brainwave activity. And it was a sleep study. It was just observing their different stages of brainwave activity while they were going to sleep. And he inadvertently found a new brainwave. And then he started trying to encourage those cats to produce more and more of that brainwave by giving them a little bit of milk and broth. That's the reward. That's the feedback. Every time their brain produced a little more of that new brainwave, he gave them a little bit of milk and broth. So repeatedly, those cats were producing more and more of that new brainwave. Nobody knew what the significance was until he was hired by NASA because the people were that were being exposed to rocket fuel were developing seizures. So in come the cats, they expose them to the rocket fuel, 10 of them out of 40 don't develop the seizures and have challenges. And so they're like, what's going on? They quickly discovered that those were the cats from the prior experiment. They were taught to produce more and more of that brainwave at will. So it physically changed the structure and the function of their brain enough that they were resistant to seizures when exposed to rocket fuel. That if that doesn't prove something, I mean, it was physically different for those cats. They they developed more pathways in their brain and became resistant to that toxin. So it resilient to stress, could you say? Stress and really actually physically a toxin. Their brain was able to handle that better than the cats that were not. You know, so that that was a physical change in their brain and that blew them away. And obviously then they tried it with other animals and humans. They published a study in 1978 in the Journal of Epilepsy that it reduced grand mal seizures by like 80%. So 
Well, this is huge. And, and, and you said it when I, I listened to one of your presentations that you find this fascinating. And as I understand this more and more, it is fascinating that we can become more resistant to toxins because of something that we're doing differently. Yes. It's pretty profound. <laughs> yes, it really is. Because this is really, this is cutting edge. If we want to be um, better, stronger versions of ourselves in the future. What can we be doing today? And this kind of takes me to the next question about how brain waves work, because I only know how to change our brain waves from meditation. And you've covered it in the past, you know, that we're day to day, we're in the beta, you know, brain wave. And then if we learn to meditate, we can go to alpha and get to different levels. But how does this change our brain wave and, and, and at will. Mm -hmm. So our brain is always producing a bunch of different frequencies of brainwave activity from less than zero to beyond 40 Hertz, like 40 Hertz is our fluorescent lights. And so above that, it's kind of hard to tell the brainwave activity, but we're all of those little chemical reactions happening in our brain are causing electrical activity and we can measure that. And so they've grouped it into Delta, Theta, Alpha, Beta, based on the speed. Right. Uh, and so it goes from slower, delta and theta, alpha is kind of mid-range, beta is that focused alert, but we're always producing all of them. And there are certain patterns that are healthy and certain, you should be able to shift back and forth between those patterns. It's usually when somebody kind of gets stuck and they're producing too much of the wrong one at the wrong time that they have some type of symptom. So when people say you get into alpha, that means predominant alpha, but you're still producing all of the other ones at the same time, you know? So that's a little bit about brain, brain waves. I don't know if that helped it. Oh, so then the question was, how does this change that? Mm -hmm. So by measuring the brain waves and, and looking for that pattern that we want to encourage repeatedly, just like the cats, they got a little bit of a reward every time they produced more of that 14, it was like 14 to 16 Hertz or 12, you know, right in that range. Um, they got a little bit of a reward. So our reward is seeing that video brighter and louder. And the brain says, I want to see that better. And so produce more of that brainwave frequency and I'll get to see it better. The brain can figure out what that pattern is that it needs to produce to see or hear something better. And so now you've noticed this, these changes with your son, you've seen the research, it's powerful. And then you decide you're going to create a company that has this treatment. Can you explain what you've created and how it works with what you've done? Yeah. Yeah. Well, after that, I was using that particular system for a while and then decided I, and I opened up a bunch of different offices to serve people and on the East coast mainly and in Utah and then I realized that I want to really market to a wider audience. I was gearing towards, you know, just trying to bring people into these small offices. And I, I want more people to be able to provide this and also to be able to send it into our homes, just like the other technology that, that is developing that we can do on our phone. Uh, so I launched Symmetry and hired some developers and we have the software, the hardware, the training, the support, everything we need to help um, partner with someone and, and put this in a school or a, a residential treatment center or help providers learn. But we also have systems made to be used in the home that are very user-friendly and that we can send out there anywhere 
on the continent really or the world technically and zoom in and help someone have neurofeedback in their own home wow i didn't so. know that i didn't know that I, I thought maybe people would have to come into your offices so you could send a system anywhere and then help support that person on the system Yes, I've gradually closed all of those offices that I had, especially then after COVID. It's like, well, why? We can do it at home and people are even more comfortable with that now than they used to be. Now, some people really do want to come into an office and, and we have providers that provide other you know, services in addition to the neurofeedback, maybe the counseling and neurofeedback. That's a great combination, especially with anxiety levels, nutritionists and neurofeedback, you know, the the holistic health, functional medicine with neurofeedback, perfect matches. So we we still want some offices out there and we'll help people do that. But personally, I started to close mine so that I could focus on getting the word out there more to people having it at home too. So let's say someone's listening and they have you know, the, the same need that you had with your son and they want to know what, what is this? Would they go to your website and get a consultation with you on how to begin? Yeah, I think they should definitely check out the website. We have links on there to schedule a time to talk with us and, you know, set the expectations, talk about your particular circumstance, make sure it's a good fit because this does take some commitment. It's not going to be a quick fix. You're going to have to set aside time to actually do it. <laughs> and and so we want to talk to you first and set those expectations. And everybody's different as far as the response time as well. So yeah, certainly have a conversation with us first. We have some research links on there. We have videos that you can um, check out and, and try to understand the process as well. And then if they were interested they would work with you. And then is it a device that gets sent to the home? What What is it that, how does it actually work? What are the parts of? Yeah, the physical parts of it would be a laptop and a small square box that is gonna be the specialized amplifier that can pick up that brainwave activity and filter it out um, from the environmental noise. And a couple sensors, we talked about sensors. It's just a little small silver cup that's about the size of a pencil eraser. You know, there'll be a couple, two of those and a couple ear clips and then some conductive paste that holds that on. It's sort of like the kindergarten Elmer's glue, <laughs> but it's just saline solution to help the sensors stay on the head. Uh, and that's it. It's just a small kit with the laptop that would send to you. And then are these lifelong changes that occur? You know, what what have you noticed with your son with this? Like, I, I know you mentioned, you know, it wasn't a quick fix and there's a, still, he's still a teenager, but what what can someone expect from these treatments? Yeah, it is, the the changes are lasting. It, the, the new pathways that you learn when you learn something don't really go away. Think about riding a bike. It, you know, you may, you learn to ride a bike. Maybe you don't ride it for 10, 20 years, but when you get on it, you still kind of know how to do it, right? So it's a similar concept usually when we learn something that's barring a, an accident or some toxins in your system that can disrupt the brain again. But most people we see lasting changes. Um, stress will cause some pr problems for people. Sometimes they'll want to come in and have additional kind of booster sessions. But a lot of people, we kind of get them to the point where they want to be and that's it. Like my son, he only had the 40 sessions and then it took kind of years for him to be his teenager self, you know, <laughs> and continued to battle with me and <laughs> we did our thing. And, 
he did made choices that I wasn't too happy about. But the difference was that I knew they were his now. I knew that he wasn't just responding and reacting to his environment, but he was actually making his own choices now. So it was easier to deal with them and let them go and do that, you know. And now he's actually one of the most disciplined people I know. He's a Special Forces Green Beret. So these changes go in, and that's what yeah. I focus on on the podcast so much is that anything we're doing brain related, it's going into um, for students, it's going into college career beyond these changes we're making. So for sure, you can't yeah. put you can't put a price on that. And 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 I did have to ask because you spend years struggling going to doctors and wasting money that way. Um, and then just looking at this, would you say a typical investment would be about 40 sessions? Yes. That's yeah, that's the base level, you know, for the impulsivity, something like my son, maybe anxiety, depression. Now, if you're getting into somebody that's heavily medicated, that can slow the progress. Uh, if you're looking for help with something like traumatic brain injury or even autism, it depends on the severity. That you could look at longer, you know, 60, 80, depending on their circumstance. Well, this is a great next step for someone who's looking for options who might, you know, be wondering where to go. And so I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Is there anything that I miss that's important for the work that you're doing that I just might not have seen? I just... I just think we need more people spreading the word like you are. I really appreciate you having me on here. And, and the people that are hearing this, you've got to know somebody that can benefit from it. And also getting the public to start to demand it and request it more and look for it and utilize it. It's going to come from the bottom up. You know, big pharma's not supporting it. <laughs> so <laughs> we've kind of, and it's a natural process. So it's, it, there's no harm. Um, when done correctly and supervised. We don't want to just send systems out there and people don't know what they're doing, but it's it's really something that we need to come together and demand, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because really it's us taking control of our health. I've seen that so much. There's no one's going to do this for us. No one's going to, right. they're going to point us towards the direction where we're not going to get the help and we're going to spin our wheels and be frustrated. That's where we'll be directed. Right. I kind of agree with that, you know, and that's the big disappointment right now is that insurance isn't necessarily covering it for the most part, but you've got to look at it like, well, what are you doing with your co-payments for years and and doctor's visits for years? And how's that affecting your real health over time? That's going to be more expensive than something like this. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, Diane, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story as a mom on a mission, helping others who might have a child or a family member who's struggling somehow and could be helped with what you've created here. So if anyone wants to learn more, the best way is your website. Is it symmetryneuropt.com? Is that the best place? Yes, that's a really great resource. And then we just published a book that has my story and the basics of neurofeedback. And that's meant as a tool with some resources in it, an easy read for, you know, stressed families that need the help and for providers that may be interested in helping us further the mission too. So that's a good resource as well. It's on Amazon and 
Perfect. I I do put the link to your book in the show notes. It's Trauma to Triumph, a Mom's Mission with Neurofeedback that people can access. And I just want to thank you so much for helping us all to dive a little bit deeper into some of the resources that are available that we might not know of. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Andrea. Absolutely. Some final thoughts. I always miss something important in the interview process. Something about listening and asking questions at the same time. I usually catch what I missed while I'm editing, and I miss the most important part of this interview. Diane is a mom on a mission for a reason. It started when her son was struggling and his pathway wasn't looking bright. Diane didn't leave any rocks unturned. She found a way that helped her son find his way in life, and now she helps others to do the same. What I missed is that Diane's son is now a U.S. Army Special Forces Green Beret. And that's why I do this podcast. We all have something important that we're meant to do while we're here living this life on this place called Earth. We'll all face challenges along the way, and some may take us off course. But there's a bright future for all of us. Everyone has the same opportunity to live a healthy and successful life doing what we're meant to do. It's just knowing what resources are available to us if we get stuck that will help us to move the needle. If you saw something in this interview that could help you, a family member, or someone you know, please do reach out to Diane and book an appointment with her and her team to discuss your situation. I'm not at all affiliated with her business. I'm just here to share what she's created with the hope that it unlocks someone else's potential, someone who might be stuck and take them to new heights. And with that, I'll close out this episode and we'll see you next week for part two of Dr. Joe Dispenza's book review. We'll see you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 